face to face, head to head, film to film. Welcome to the Film to Film podcast. This is episode number four. I am James Shergan. I'm hosting this episode here with Inyaki Liniero. How are you doing, Inyaki? I'm doing pretty well, thank you. How about you? Uh, hanging in there, hanging in there. Uh, this podcast has been birthed out of the coronavirus times, and it's unclear when we're getting out of this. So <laughs> maybe in episode 75, my check-in will still be. I'm hanging in there, but uh, that is uh, what is currently going on here. Um, so today, uh, have you been? Well, first of all, have you been watching anything interesting? Um, yeah, I've been watching. Well, I've been watching. I was watching. I've been. I was watching The Americans. Uh, it's a pretty good t- TV show. Uh, I also watched uh, the latest, se- the last season of Legion, and I watched um, uh, Just Mercy, and it, which is one of the movies now recommended, especially after uh, after all the uh, all the civil unrest due to you know the police killing African Americans. Yep. Yeah. So, I uh, definitely recommend watching the movie, although I hear the book is better. So, look at that. Obviously, we're not talking about either of those two things, but, uh, you know, yes, uh, things are happening. So, yeah, beyond we are, the- watch- we are recording this for those of you w- listening to this in the future uh, at the middle of June in 2020. So, uh, it's a very specific time. I don't know what the future holds, but uh, yes, relation race relations are uh, are the thing going on right now. <laughs> I'm struggling to describe it, but uh, well, there are a lot of people watching different uh, entertainment related to that. Um, so yeah, right. Yeah, there's a lot of learning about racism that is happening everywhere, and uh, yeah. even though this has been happening forever, but like now everyone is realizing that it's happening by everyone i mean the not uh, everyone who is not a minority <laughs> yes but anyways you did not tune into this podcast to hear our views on all of the current events um so today uh we are going to talk about the film italian connection um so a couple episodes ago we brought on caliber nine uh which was directed by the same director fernando DeLeo. Um, and he released this the exact same year as Caliber 9, actually, in September of 1972. So really prolific time uh, for the Italian film industry. Uh, here's the short synopsis that Wikipedia provided. Uh, Milanese pimp is framed for heroin theft and his uh, wife and daughter are murdered in the manhunt, leading him to swear revenge on everyone who was involved. Um yeah, so I, I'd say that is actually a really good uh, sentence or two uh, that pretty much sums up the entire plot of the film. Um, yeah, how did you like uh, watching this film, and how how do you think it compared uh, to you versus Caliber 9, um, another Poliziotesky that we watched? I, I like this movie, although much less than uh, Caliber 9, to be honest. I... I think this movie, it's plot-wise, is simpler. Um, however, I don't know. Uh, I, I thought it was less, even though there is more action in the movie, it felt less entertaining. And plot-wise, it felt more... I didn't care as much about the characters as I did in uh, Caliber 9. But, uh, but you can still definitely see, uh, stylistically, the image, uh, the imagery, the shots, the music, all of that was great. It's just... Uh, I, I enjoyed this one less than Caliber 9. Gotcha. How gotcha. about you? Uh, this is my third time viewing it, again, uh, same as Caliber 9. And I think my initial impression was actually pretty similar to yours. I liked this a bit less than Caliber 9. Um, but I've actually come around on this film quite a bit, and I enjoy it. I think it has one of the better, um, or one of the best uh, set pieces for action um, that comes about two-thirds the way through the film. So I think it's like a little bit less interesting uh, plot-wise and stuff than Caliber 9, but uh, 
I find it to be an easier watch overall, and part of that is just because of partly just the pulsing soundtrack and just uh, the constant action going on. I think you're right on about the plot being simpler. I think the plot's way simpler, actually. Um, like, it's really, like, that sentence that I listed for the synopsis, I think that pretty much is the entire plot of the film. Mm-hmm. It's basically a, a film uh, plot we've seen many times before, sort of a man wrongly framed uh, goes on the run. Um, mm-hmm. and, like, basically has to take revenge, um, even though he doesn't really want to. Um, and it's, uh, like Caliber 9, it's based off of a short story, uh, by the same author. Um, so also based off the source material, M- Milano Caliber 9. Um, yeah. Uh. What, James, so tell yeah. me, why, why did you pick this movie? What was it that you want? Why did you want to see it a third time and talk about it in this podcast? I just think it's, I, I mean, I think part of it is like, I feel like this genre is really undercovered. I think this film's really fun. I, I enjoy this film a lot. I think the action in it is actually excellent. And I really mm-hmm. like the lead in it too. Um, mm-hmm. So despite, you know, a few simplicities uh, to it, I really uh, like the lead is played by Mario Adorf. I, I suppose we could get into it now. And he is also in Caliber 9 playing Rocco. And here mm-hmm. his name is Luca Canali, which is just like a fun name to say. And you get to hear it so many times in the film. I remember last episode when we talked about Caliber 9, you're talking about how it's hard to remember all the characters' names. Mm-hmm. The, the characters in this film say Luca Canali like a hundred times. So right. it's like I have his name like ingrained in my head. And like just saying it... Uh, Maybe this is, like, problematic to say, but, like, it just satisfies all the Italian stereotypes just to hear his name being said. Luca Caganali! Uh, it's just it's just great fun. So maybe maybe that's, like, 20% of my enjoyment is just hearing that name being said. Um, but, I mean, uh, th- th- this movie definitely felt very Italian <laughs> in the sense that yeah. every time... I mean, I'm, I'm assuming you watch the uh, it- Italian... Sub, uh, Italian dub version right yes correct uh and and all the dub like everyone was extra italian on their on everything they're doing and whether they're pronouncing things how they're acting uh the hand movements everything yes (laughs) i love it i'll eat that stuff up so you know i think my first impression of the film was actually probably pretty similar to yours i thought it was like actually considerably worse than caliber nine but Mm. i've come to actually enjoy it just as much um, so, real quickly, I'm going to talk a little bit um, about just some of the background with the film. It was released in September 1972, made a little bit more than Caliber 9, 852 million lira. No idea how much that is, but it's more than the 750 million lira for Caliber 9. So mm-hmm. I think it was a modest success. Um, and it had a ton of different titles. So you're going to tell me which one you like. Um, so the Italian title is La Mala Ordina, which stands for the Bad Orders. Mm-hmm. Um, the title that this came out was Italian Connection, which is clearly inspired by the French Connection, which won Best Picture uh, the same year. Um, mm-hmm. Also has a great chase scene, but pretty different movies overall, I'd say. Um, another one that's commonly said is Manhunt. Another one, Hired to Kill. And I think one for the black audiences in America was called Black Kingpin. Hitman is the last one. I wait, have wait, wait. What do you mean by the, for the, for the African-American audience was called Black uh, Kingpin? Is yeah. that, is that mean, true? Like, yeah, was that like yeah, how yeah, the marketing was? I mean, was? like these films and uh, uh, Hong Kong films were commonly played in like uh, sort of black neighborhoods um, and uh, Hong Kong films in particular were very popular. I mean, like right. part of that, that is what inspired things like the Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they would often have like different names. So I'm pretty sure the name Black Kingpin, considering the title, there is a black character in this film, but he's not really the main character or even the second main character. Um, so I think that was like deliberately chosen um, for a certain demographic. Right, I guess that could make sense, especially yeah. because the poster actually has him as a prominent figure, in the, uh, even though, as you mentioned before, as you mentioned just now, not a main character, although a very memorable character. 
Absolutely. I mean, like, I think the two hitmen, we'll get into this later, I think the they don't actually do that much during the film, but their presence is felt throughout it, and they just both are big. These guys are, like, really big, and I, I think a lot of the... And and a lot of the thing I like about the film is just sort of the physical contrast of mm-hmm. uh, Luca Canale versus those two. Um, but anyways, uh, do you have a uh, favorite of those titles? I'll say them once more. Uh, Italian Connection, Manhunt, Hard to Kill, Black Kingpin, and Hitman. You're forgetting the original. The, 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 the Bad, the bad order. order. Yeah. So uh, the bar- Bad Order, I would say, is probably the, the most accurate. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The plot. I, yeah. I don't think uh, um, Vito Trisoldi has very good reviews on Glassdoor. We'll put it that way. There are some pretty bad orders in this film. Yeah. Uh, um, that's a good question. Um, I actually don't like Italian Connection at all. I, I think that's a yeah. terrible, terrible title. Yeah. Um, could you repeat one more time the, uh, the yeah. other ones? Uh, Italian Connection, uh, right. The Bad Orders, uh, Manhunt, which is probably the next most commonly cited one, Hard to Kill, Black Kingpin, and Hitman. Hard to Kill. Hired to Kill, okay. Wait, I would hi- actually, wait is it Hired to Kill? Hi- or? Hi- hired to Kill. Hard to oh, Kill. No. Good name. <laughs> I would say, I would it say, is hard yeah, to kill. I would say Hard, yeah, Hard to Kill. Okay, that, we're going that, that off the cuff. We're renaming it Hard to Kill. Um, yeah, of the I'd... ones I listed, uh, thanks to my bad pronunciation, uh, of the ones I listed, I would say I like Manhunt the best. Uh, I think okay. that one probably best sums up um, the the title of it. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, this film, uh, like I said, based off of a short story from the same author as Caliber 9. Pretty different tale overall. Um, it's also part of the uh, Fernando de Leo's Milieu Trilogy. Um, he, the next film after this is called The Boss, or mm-hmm. Il Boss in Italian. Mm-hmm. Um, no controversies over that name. It was called Il Boss in Italian and tra- translated to The Boss in English. Um, and it stars the white hitman in this, Henry Silva, okay. as sort of like this, uh, this gangster. Um, and it's also kind of an interesting film. Definitely worth watching if you enjoy these sorts of movies. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just sort of the background on it. Um, were there any things that uh, stood out to you about this film? Um, uh, well, I mean, we, t- we touched a little bit upon the music. So, you know, you got your classic 70s uh, rhythm, trumpet, everything. And uh, when the action ramps up, it definitely, the, the music definitely goes together with it. I would say the action in the movie for its time was very impressive uh, I, I mean you got car chase uh, foot chase cha- car chases foot chases you got you know shootouts uh, I mean at, at moments especially around the end where they are at the junkyard it almost felt like a spaghetti western uh, with the shootouts and, and, and the suspense uh, so I mean in general those things really stood out to me um, it, it, interestingly enough, because there was so much of that, I started getting bored. Like, I mean, it was really well done, but it was too much. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that stood out to me. And then the second thing that stood out to me was the the, the uh, main uh, character, Canali, who was very childlike as a character. So what did you... Okay, let's go... Uh, let's talk about Mario Dorf, who plays Luca Canali. Um, uh, what did you think of his... So it sounds like you thought he was childlike, just Yeah, the character. Yeah. No, no, not simple. Uh, more of... Uh, all right, so yeah, let's, let's first go into, act, into the uh, actual performance. So if we compare this to Caliber 9, uh, the character in Caliber 9, he was sort of a hothead, very loud. Uh, and here he's definitely more subdued. Uh, by childlike, I meant more on the. Uh, there was an innocence to this character. I mean, we're talking about he. The guy was not a good guy. He's a pimp. 
no, not a good guy. He's not a good guy. He's not a good person at all. He's he's uh, a person who, I mean, it's even implied that he he, well, it's it, 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 to me it seemed like there was an impl- it was implied that among uh, his workers uh, he even had minors, uh, and, and I mean it, mainly in, in that. There was one scene at the hotel where you know there's a min- there's a minor who is a prostitute and the other woman is like, oh yeah no she's a minor but that because of that she makes a lot more money, pretty fucked up, but that's one of it one of the things and then later when he's leaving um, he's leaving one building there's this girl who clearly looks like a girl like we're not talking about yeah. uh, not his daughter and he seemed very friendly with her almost like if there was some sort of working relationship and. Huh. You know. Do you see, I actually interpreted those scenes fairly differently from you. The first scene, I mean, I don't think Luca Cacali had anything to do with that. No, no, not, not in the first one. But in the first but, one, uh, they, they definitely set, set up the, the fact that there, are, there is child prostitution yeah, yeah, around. Yeah. I think you're, yeah. I, I interpreted the second scene as just sort of like, he's very genial and like people don't see him as like a threat. But... Interesting. I actually hadn't considered yours because one would frame him much more negatively than the other yeah. one. Because, like, in the one I saw, I was like, oh, shit, is he going to try to, like, recruit this girl? But instead, he kind of just, like, pats her on the head, which indicated that he was familiar with her. Um, but, right. Uh, right. But that so fam- I, familiarity, the, the familiarity is the yeah, part yeah, that, yeah. like, disturbed me. <laughs> yeah. Um, fair, fair. I mean, Luca Cunali, not a great guy, but. Everyone else in this film is uh, is worse. Oh in, yeah, no, no, no one ways. is good. So it's no kind of like uh, you're rooting for him mainly because like he's bad, but everyone's much worse than him. I mean, character character wise, I mean, this felt a lot like a, a Tarantino movie. Or in, and I mean, I wouldn't be I, I wouldn't be surprised if Tarantino has ever like. I mean, he probably has seen these movies, and he I wouldn't be surprised right. that he was at least somewhat inspired with this types of movie where no one is good. None of the characters, none of them are good people. Like they, they, they're right. all horrible criminals. Uh, and I mean, Canale. Uh, I mean, assuming that he is not in the child prostitution business, which you know is an assumption that you make, he would be definitely the least bad out of everyone. Yeah. Uh, with that said, so going back to what I, I was saying, that he was very childlike, is that although he, although you have all these really bad characteristics of him. As a character, he felt childlike uh, or naive or actually used a very good word of, of what you assumed he was doing with that girl. But basically in the sense that he enjoys children. Like he, he loves his daughter and you know he plays with her just like he, if he was a little kid. Then later on you have scenes where uh, you know, when he's talking, he's trying to recruit one of the people. Like... Uh, yeah, he talks about the money, but he also seems like very eager and excited in not a, a, a schemey way, but more of a just like genuine, a very genuine excitement. And then you have... He's the, a salesman. And the, and the, yeah, no, sure. But I mean, then you have the, the, at the end when there's a little kitten in a situation where he might die and he's just fucking playing with the kitten, like <laughs> a little kid. So that's what I meant by very childlike. Uh, okay. There, there is some sort of like he's doing, he does perhaps terrible things, but the character himself is, is naive. Uh, and I mean, even if you put him at the worst light possible, uh, he would be like Todd from Breaking Bad. Mm, mm-hmm. I in, mean, he yeah. clearly, I mean, like in the film, he talks about, uh, he clearly doesn't think of himself as a criminal even. So Exactly, yeah. So it sort of shows his uh, skewed uh, morality to some sense. I mean, uh-huh. especially if he was do, uh, doing child prostitution, then I, I feel like I would have felt much more ambivalent towards him. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, if we're thinking the worst of him, he would be similar to Todd from Breaking Bad, who, yeah. you know. Thinks he's good, but he's a compl- he's like a neo-Nazi and killed his maid for no reason, you know. Yeah, things like yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, did you like his performance in Caliber Nine more than this film? 
No, I enjoyed both of them, to be honest. Okay. I mean, if, if we're talking about perform- performance, whatever, whatever he was trying to come, uh, like bring, bring across with this performance, it felt good. I mean, like, he was a complete different person. As, uh, I forget his name in Caliber 9. Rocco. Rocco, that's right, yeah. I mean, Canali and Rocco are complete different people, even though... Um, so, yeah, yeah. I mean, the actor definitely tip of the hat for that. Yeah. One one thing I really like about him is just sort of the physical performance in this film. Uh, he has a lot of action scenes and stuff. I mean, the mm-hmm. film starts with him just sort of like uh, headbutting a couple guys and beating the crap out of them. So we know from the start he's just like a really good fighter. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just has this sort of like manic brutishness to him. It's kind yeah. of just like a deranged animal. And I really enjoyed um, watching it. It's like when you're watching him run too, it's like almost – it's like you don't usually see people run like that. He's almost like a little dog where you just see his like legs moving really Yeah, that's fast. true. Yeah. He, he, he actually moves really fast and it's like a big contrast versus like the two hitmen who are both like – I looked up their height. So Henry Silva, who's the white one, he's six foot two. He's tall. He's usually playing bad guys. And Woody Strode is an ex-football player. Um, yeah. And he's six foot four. And these guys are just like big I'm, and like they don't need to do much to know they're intimidating. I mean we yeah. do get a nice fight scene where they beat up a bunch of people. Um, but these are bad motherfuckers. Right, right. And I mean especially with the uh, former football player. I mean you can tell he was a for- – like he has giant shoulders. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So – by the way, I was looking. Uh, I was noticing. Uh, what, uh, he apparently he was like the first, uh, like uh, like one of the first like black football players in the NFL. I think that might be true. I d- I don't know enough about the history and haven't researched it enough to say. But yeah, I mean, I think he was pretty good. I mean, clearly he's a little older at this point. But right. Uh, like, yeah, I don't think he's playing football. But <laughs> yeah, and he doesn't have to do a whole lot in this film, but uh, he does. He does what he's asked to do. Both of the hitmen, I, I yeah. W- moving on to that, uh, before we go back to Canali, what do you think of uh, David and Frank, the two hitmen? So, I mean, uh, David was a very hateable guy. Uh, he was just a scumbag the whole time. Yeah, uh, I think he was coached to do that. If I'm not. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I, I'm pretty sure he was coached to do that at the beginning. Yeah, no, by that's the American what I boss. interpreted too. Yeah. Uh, well, well, Frank, he was quiet, but very uh, like he was very determined to get the job done. Uh, yeah. That's only the only thing he cared about. He was like, let's not let's not uh, you know get distracted with women. Let's not get distracted with this. We want Canali. <laughs> yeah. I think he wanted to just get out of Italy and go back to New York or wherever he's from. I mean, he just seemed very professional, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so there is a rumor around there that uh, the uh, these two hitmen inspired Tarantino for Pulp Fiction of oh. John Travolta and Samuel Jackson. But it is, uh, I don't know what that's based off of exactly. But Although that would make sense, because Travolta was more of the loudmouth... Uh... True. Jerk. While while Samuel Jackson, though he talked a lot, everything he said had <laughs> had a meaning. Yeah. Like it, yeah. I think Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction said a swear word more more times than uh, Frank had lines. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> um, where do you think they learned Italian, especially Frank? <laughs> uh, so I'm assuming they were dubbed, right? No, no, oh, yeah, 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 no. But I'm talking in in the film world, the characters, like, oh, like, do you think they, uh, do you think they're just like in the Italian mob and they're like, all right, David and Frank, it's time for your Italian lessons. We're gonna teach you the the language of the motherland. I mean, uh, uh, so I don't know much about uh, New York history, but so we we are assuming here, and this is a conjecture on my part, of course. But I mean, in it, in New York, you do have Little Italy. And there's, it is plausible that, uh, you know, back in the 60s or even in the 50s, uh, communities were far more divided. So if you wanted to do business in Little Italy, you probably needed to know the language. So you think Frank's just a really hard worker and yeah. learned Italian? <laughs> yeah, or he grew up in Little Italy, like maybe okay. his family, you know. Uh, sure, sure. 
don't know. Yeah. I mean, um, it's like it's like uh, 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 white folks who speak Spanish who are from Miami and they just like you know grew up in like a Cuban centric neighborhood and they they're fluent in Spanish. I mean, okay. you see that. So yeah, like that. My preferred explanation is that the mob paid for him to go to community college to learn Italian. <laughs> but but why would they teach you Italian in community college in the 70s? Good point. Or 60s? I have no idea. <laughs> it's just a bunch of mobsters, like non, non-Italian non mobsters trying to learn the language. <laughs> just, to join the, <laughs> just to join the mob. Yeah. You know, it's like opening up good career paths. Higher education. Um, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyways, uh, back to Canali. Uh, um, one thing I like about his performance too is like I think um, there's like a concept in um, sports uh, where it's like if you replace the actor with just like re- replace a performer with like an average level performer, like what would the what would the results be? Um, So for like if you replace LeBron James with like an average NBA player, his team would be much worse. I feel like if you replaced Mario Dorf in this film as Luca Canale with just like someone random, even the guy from the last film uh, uh, that played Ugo Piazza, I feel like your film is just totally different. Um, I feel like he really puts his mark into this film. Yeah, no, I I agree. I mean, he's actually in both movies he movies this one on caliber nine he is just a, a very physical actor for sure and uh that was that was an important factor in, in the role yeah um uh yeah uh also do you remember the uh korean film the chaser it's like a serial killer um like a good-looking serial killer and he's being chased around by a pimp I think so. It's, okay. I mean, uh, the, the the it sounds familiar, but uh, it's been a long time, probably since I've okay. seen it. Well, I was just going to make the point that uh, the, those are the only two films I can think of of like a pimp basically running around the city. He's running around Seoul in that one, uh-huh. uh, and I, I love both of the films. So <laughs> it's a high batting average. So if you're trying to think of a film idea to do. Uh, might I suggest having a pimp on the run? Uh. Uh, speaking of the, of the whole pimp thing, it was interesting how like everyone looked down to to the pimp. Like, you know, you could be a robber, except for except for Canale. Everyone else was like, no, being a robber, being a, a killer, being a mobster, being a mechanic, being anything was being better. A hippie. Than- being a hippie, anything was better than being a pimp. Like being a pimp was like the lower scumbags of like. Yeah. <laughs> well, they sort of uh, frame it as in like he wasn't good enough to uh, to even uh, uh, be in the mob because I think originally he was, and then he ended up not going forward. I mean, it's mm. not a totally different story to uh, Caliber Nine in that sense, where you sort of have like this guy that's like a little bit of an outcast. Uh, and the story is just sort of centered around him. Mm. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think uh, for me, what do you think of the soundtrack? The soundtrack to me and just the general feel of the movie felt extremely 70s, extremely Italy. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, for so- Do you think that club just plays that one song? <laughs> <laughs> and they always have the same light- lighting going on. Yeah, yeah. And somehow people are are like super energized by it, dancing for three hours straight. I feel like there was a lot of coke uh, in order to <laughs> shoot that scene. Yeah. Uh, including the cameraman. Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember when boomers were cool? <laughs> boomers were the ones for free love and, and like were the young ones doing drugs. Yep. Uh... Um, yeah that was never cool but (laughs) boomers were never cool really what do you think of the portrayal of the hippies in in this film Uh, it was it was okay Uh, I don't know Uh, it's funny because uh, 
it made me think think a little bit about politics again uh, in the comparison between Caliber 9 and this one. This one, I feel like the dire director uh, uh, had more of a conservative look. Like he didn't look very, he didn't look up to these people. I mean, like you, they uh, all these hippies had a bunch of you know communist sim symbologies and everything, but they never did do anything. Like they were just partying, partying and, yeah. and being high. Uh, so I don't know if there was like a, a subtle statement there of you know. Uh, them being worthless or useless. <laughs> yeah, although I'll make this point, though. Um, like, there is one hippie character in the film that gets lines, Truni, um, and mm -hmm. pretty much everyone in the film betrays Luca Canali but her. Like, all of his friends and stuff that he goes to for help pretty much uh, give him up. Um, she's the only one that doesn't. And also, she also dis uh, displays um, disgust at what he does. Like, she openly tells him that she despises uh, his right. profession and finds it uh, despicable. So I would actually argue that maybe in some senses, while she does, like, party and, and have free love and stuff, and probably is that she probably has the most uh, morals of any of the characters in the film. Oh, yeah. I mean, in fact, she's probably, I mean, outside of uh, his wife and child... She's probably the only other character that I would say is not technically evil. Or, or not evil, but like yeah. bad guy. I mean, there's also the woman, uh, Ava, uh, that shows around the two hitmen. Uh, she eventually despises the hitmen so much that she just like sacrifices herself to give Luca Canale a chance. Yeah, that's end. true. Um, but it kind of shows her as being like slightly complicit in sort of a capitalist sense uh, with the hitman. Yeah, I mean, and also, I mean, I don't think she, it seemed like she did shady stuff. Like she was very, she was very judgmental of prostitutes, very judgmental of a lot of people. But I mean, she was getting all those people to the prostitutes. She was getting all those people to those businesses. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, her change of heart at the end. I feel like it almost felt more of a, of a convenient situation, as in she noticed uh, the the two hitmen used her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's why she was like, "Oh, okay, I'm gonna, I'm gonna." That's true, but what she did was probably not great for her survival. I mean, she gets killed pretty much instantly. I mean, they literally run her over, right? Yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, David is a pretty big dick in this film. Uh, no, no, David is the worst. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, this is probably one of the movies that I've uh, that I've seen the most amount of people getting run over. Oh, you clearly haven't watched enough Poliziotesky. Um, oh, really? It's that a common th theme? Uh, yeah. Some people sometimes they get shot, and sometimes that's not enough, so they get run over too. All right. Uh, <laughs> um, but yeah, there there was uh, who gets run over? It's actually all women and children that get run over, isn't it? It's like correct. Uh, it's uh, uh, Ava at the end, and then uh, Luca Canali's uh, daughter and wife. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I think uh, in this movie, actually, the women definitely get the uh, worst treatment. Probably in many movies I've seen. Like I think this is probably the movie with most abuse against women. Uh, yeah, there, I, for me, I actually don't, I'm not particularly bothered by the running over scenes so much, um, but, uh, the, the beating of the prostitute I find to be, uh, more troubling for me personally. Yeah, no, 100%. I mean, that scene, yeah. uh, it probably was one of those scenes that did, doesn't, did not age well, but I'm assuming even then it was probably not a... Because I mean, there's the beating, and then the it kept on being cut with uh, cut into. They kept on cutting the that boss's face. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it was just like it's a pretty disgusting scene. Scene, all, all in all. Yeah, uh, but the running over stuff. I mean, like the survival rate in this film is really low, and I don't. Frankly, I don't think Luca Canali survives either. So I think like. It's almost no real character surviving. I think Trini might be the only one uh, right. that's left at the end of the film. So I, I'm not particularly bothered by the uh, running over, actually. That's true. That's true. And yeah, I, I forget that Trini did get to survive. Yeah. 
um, yeah, so I guess any uh, major highlights for you? I have two here on my list, but uh, if you don't have anything, I can go to those. I mean, one of the highlights I would say is is the chase scene. Although long, it is a very intense uh, intense scene where you see a lot. Uh, I mean, we're talking about you see cars flipping over. Uh, the stunts in that chase scene are super impressive. I'm assuming, uh, obviously, they used the double. Um, I think they did for part of it, but you know the part where Luca Canali is like sprawled out on the car? Uh-huh. Like some of the shots that show him, it's almost like he is sort of on the car. I think I think they definitely use stunts for a lot of it, but uh, I think I think he's doing a little bit at least. I'm I, so I'm I'm wondering about that. So because I, I was looking at that scene, on right, you, so you have the shots from the the outside shot from the back, and I'm pretty sure the person holding onto the car is someone else. But the inside shots of the car, you see Canali. But my question is, you know. Those could easily be done in a safe manner if you have a car on top of the, the bed of the truck and then him holding on to the, the front of the car and then shooting from the inside. And, and, in that, and then, yeah, it, it, it's there, but it's, it's not like he, it, there's no real risk. True, true. I'm, my preference is to believe that w- that there is real risk. <laughs> <laughs> and it's possible. I mean, the movie is yeah. from the 70s after all. Yeah, and, and Italy. I mean, like there are stories of them using live rounds of ammo in 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 uh, in shooting films just to uh, to uh, make it a faster shoot. So, oh God, I, so I hope you're thinking about that. Uh, I haven't heard about it in this film specifically, but if you're mm-hmm. thinking about that, them choosing to shoot uh, a car chase dangerously would not be uh, unheard of. True, although. Oh God! Do you think the they, they killed the little kitten like for real? I have no idea. <laughs> uh, Mariodorf still alive? You you might have to ask him. He's like ninety one now, so you'd have to uh, have to ask someone that knows. But uh, I don't know. I mean, the Italians don't exactly have a great track record in the seventies. I mean, we know they did uh, some uh, cannibal films later on, which are famous for their animal cruelty. So. To think That's they true. killed a, a kitten or a cat, it's certainly possible. I want to hope not, but it's possible. Hmm. Um, but I'm glad you pointed out that car chase because I think that to me is like the highlight of the film for me. I think it's mm-hmm. sort of where the movie goes up another level to just being um, – without that car chase, I don't know if it's that great of a film. I think it's right. pretty uh, mundane. And the chase is really, really long. I mean, yeah. it starts with like the wife and girl getting run over really brutally. I mean, like mm-hmm. that's a ter- yeah, it's like a really dumb move by Vito Gersoldi. It's like I don't know why you would do that other than to just piss him off. Um, but uh, like they get run over, and he just like uh, what does he do after that? He uh, steals a car. He starts right. chasing after him, and then we sort of see the uh and the car chase has like a lot of just destruction to it and he sort mm-hmm. of drives the car like he runs it's just sort of like a brutish like i'm gonna get it done i'm gonna get there i'm gonna chase this guy down and then we see like the cars like knocking stuff into the water um, oh, it's full of rage i mean the whole thing is just, he's just filled with rage yeah it's great i mean the acting he does i think is fantastic there uh, there's like random people getting thrown into the pools. Uh, I'm all about that. Bring in the random pedestrians. Hopefully that guy was just like a guy that was going to the pool, not even an actor. But he probably <laughs> was an actor. Uh, I think they get in the car a second time too. Uh, like the other guy steals a car again and uh, yeah. Luca jumps on front. And he's like not really sure how to get into the car. So he literally headbutts the window open. <laughs> Uh, and then, uh, at the end of it, he finally chases the guy down on foot and basically stabs him. Uh, and then he just sort of falls down in exhaustion after it, probably after having a few concussions. Probably. No, it's, it's, it's a very impressive scene. Um, the, and the music goes with, uh, goes along with it very well. 
even to the point where he kills the other uh, the, the 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 guy who ran over ran over his fa- ran over his family. Uh, all of that, very well done. It it definitely. I mean, if there's one moment where it feels a little uh, uh, sort of like the French Connection, it would be the the car chase scene because you exactly. have such a long, yeah. Yeah. well done scene. Um, no, it, it very impressive, and also that sort of the catalyst from the first half of the movie and the second half, which uh, because even even in the summary you read, you know. You sort of the first half is really them chasing him, and then the second half almost felt like him chasing them. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's sort almost like he's not really like a trained fighter or something like that, but it's almost like they accidentally train him by uh, by having their uh, minions get beat up, and so he just just sort of learns how to exist in this world that he previously wasn't existing in, and mm-hmm. like. When he walks into the office and, like, kills people, it's, like, shockingly fast. It's, like, he just mows down, like, six of them really fast. He's, like, walking around pretending to clean and, like, slaps one with a mop head and then just Mm. starts killing people with a silencer. He holds up a body to, like, the keyhole uh, and then shoots that big guy. Uh, I I enjoyed just sort of the efficiency of those scenes, too. Yeah. Um, but I, I think the uh, car chase, I mean, wh- right when they run over the wife and the daughter, it just sort of raises the stakes of the film to another level, too. So it's like whatever he does at that point is, like, pretty justified as far as, like, beating up ab- about going after um, that. At that point, he's just after revenge. Yeah. Um, one one I, I, I agree that this is a pretty different film than The French Connection, too. Uh couple of similarities other than the chase is also the leading men are both sort of like i think slightly less conventional leading men they're like sort of in their 40s uh they're not like your i don't know super handsome uh standard blonde tall leading men they sort of just have different presences talking about gene hackman and Mm -hmm. uh mario adorf uh but other than that I, i would say they're pretty different overall Yeah, although I mean, at, at that time, I I feel like in the seventies, I don't know how common it was to have the you know the young blonde leading man versus the uh, you know the seasoned uh, gangster or police or police or criminal as the leading man. So I mean, you do have a little bit of the the I mean, m- many film noir movies, especially the ones with uh, Bogart, had you know an older man. That's true. I, I would I would argue that both of these guys, Gene Hackman and Merodorf, are a little bit unconventional. Uh, Merodorf mainly is playing like um, characters, uh, more of a character actor in most of the films I've seen, at least. So, uh, I mean, in that sense, similar also to uh, the lead of Caliber Nine. Um, mm-hmm. But but uh, yeah, I mean, uh, how many uh, do you think do you think Luca Canali had a concussion? Like, after he beat that guy uh, and stabbed him after the car chase, do you think he, like, sat down there, was exhausted, and was like, I don't know what the hell happened for the last hour? I don't know. Uh, I guess guess the question would be, do you think when he was hitting the windshield (laughs) that he was actually hitting the windshield? Oh, oh! You're asking if the actor got concussed. Yeah. Oh, okay. I was asking if in the in the film oh, he got the, concussed. Oh, if, uh, no, I don't. I don't think the okay. So if we're talking about the character himself, no. I mean, okay. I feel like this character is like you know, it, it definitely felt more more of a fiction in the sen- in the sense that this character was immortal. Like he got <laughs> shot. Yeah. He, yeah. you know. <laughs> he did a bunch of stuff that normally a person wouldn't survive. So, you know, I don't think he got a concussion. Uh, okay. <laughs> but but I, I, character- I now, I'm, now I'm wondering if the actor, whether the actor got a concussion out of some of those scenes. It's possible. I will say after he uh, beats the guy, he kills that guy after that really epic chase, he looks kind of confused afterwards, I will say. Like... Yeah. As in, like, I don't know what happened. I mean, he's, like, emotionally exhausted and stuff. 
I mean, without having um, Will Smith come over from the movie Concussion and diagnose him, we will never know uh, if he was actually concussed or not. But, I mean, headbutting your way through a car windshield, I don't know how they made him in the 70s, but uh, I think that's a pretty surefire way to fuck yourself up. But, yeah, so, I mean, do you think he was actually hitting the window, or do you think uh, it was being, like, they were using a prop window or they broke it on the side, like right, right off the off screen. They had to have done a somewhat of a prop window, but it does mm-hmm. look like he's hitting it pretty hard. Yeah. Like no, he's definitely. going for it. I mean, like he's just like the winds in his face and his like eyes are big and he's mm-hmm. just going for it. I mean, like at that point, they probably have no idea what the hell a concussion is too. I mean, they knew what a concussion was in the 70s. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, the NFL just figured out what a concussion was five years ago, man. Well, yeah, and, 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 uh, you know, Exxon is is just learning that, you know, CO2 may may contribute to global warming. (laughs) Sure. But but doctors and scientists usually know things much earlier. (laughs) I'm just saying that after they did that scene, I would have had Mario Dorf Tell me the alphabet backwards. For sure, yes. I, I completely <laughs> agree with you. Maybe that was like the very last scene they, they did to make yeah. sure that he could, he could play the rest of the movie. Yeah. I mean, maybe he doesn't remember the, the movie at all at this point just because of all of the brain damage that he suffered during it. Um, but Cause Yeah. Uh, there was a lot of punching, and some of those looked pretty real, too. Yeah, yeah. I really enjoy the uh, hand-to-hand combat in this film. Um, yeah, and, and all the action. I, for me, this film, compared to Caliber 9, is more of a straight action film, too, I would say. Mm-hmm. Whereas Caliber 9 is... Um, this this plot could almost just be like a Jason Statham movie or something like that. Yeah. Whereas um, Caliber 9, it's... It, I feel like Caliber 9 embraces the sort of film noir labyrinth plot and, and uh, that kind of aspect quite a bit more. Yeah, actually, I like I like what you just said. Uh, I'll 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 take it a step further, as saying this felt more of a blockbuster, like a movie that really went for the action, didn't really prepare much more on anything else. So yeah. I mean, you could put it uh, with the uh, Fast and the Furious series, if you will, <laughs> even in That's the true. fantastical, even in the fantastical. See, to, uh, uh, fact that, you know, the man never dies. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true, yeah. Um, yeah, I, some of these Italian films have some really, really great car chases, but I think this may be my uh, favorite one of them. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and the only other scene I had highlighted, that was definitely the scene I had highlighted too, but was the uh, junkyard uh, final scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just uh, the car, them driving the car at him, the cat, uh, them running over the girl. Maybe I just like films that start with someone getting run over. Uh, <laughs> I, it's a really like horrific way to die. <laughs> it feels yeah. just worse than getting shot with a gun. So it almost just like uh, gets your adrenaline going just that much more. It's like that plus the soundtrack. Um, I don't like the junkyard final scene quite as much as the other ones, but seeing Henry Silva and Woody Strode, uh, who play um, Frank and David, uh, go to work finally and seeing them in an action scene is pretty cool. Um, we get to see Woody Strode pick up a car and drop it on Luca. Yeah, that was very impressive. Uh, and, and it looked like it was probably a real car, too. I think he was probably doing that. I mean, you know that guy's yeah. strong. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I, I agree. And I, I think the kitten was funny. <laughs> I mean, they had that little comedy where the kitten keeps on following him as everyone is shooting at him too. Yeah. <laughs> Again, let's hope that, uh, they did not kill that kitten, but, uh, you never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, ho- probably not. They, they really had no reason to, but. I don't know. <laughs> Again, uh, with a yeah. cannibal Holocaust kind of movies, uh, you yeah. never know. <laughs> never trust the Italians on a- animal welfare in the 70s. <laughs> um, any uh, other highlights? Anything you want to bring up about the junkyard or anything else? Uh, 
no, no, nothing that I, I haven't already said. I mean, the, the yet yard was, again, definitely not the best scene in the movie, but uh, the suspense was pretty palpable. So that was very, uh, that was right. pretty good. And the buildup is quite large for the hitmen too. Because yeah. you know they're from Americans and presumably are pretty badass. What are you going to yeah. say? No, no, that yeah, no, I agree. Um, what about you? Any other scenes? Uh, those are the two I had pointed out. I think there are some other fun scenes uh, throughout the film, but uh, those I think are probably the most standout, extraordinary scenes, particularly the car chase. I think that scene is kind of head and shoulders over the rest of the film, mm-hmm. um, and is, is and is enough for me to uh, to really recommend the film. Yeah. Uh, what do you, uh, quick question, Don Vito? What were you? How, how do you feel about that character? He was pretty dumb, honestly. He was like yeah. he was he uh, not a good mob boss, uh, and he uh, gets owned by Luca at the end. Um, yeah, he yeah, just was, made a lot of bad moves. It's like, why would you kill the wife and the daughter, too? It's I mean, like, from the you beginning, you use them as bait to kill Luca. You don't just like straight up kill them. Yeah, no, I, I I completely agree. I actually felt like, I mean, in a way, this movie was pretty dumb <laughs> because the entire plot of the movie rests on the fact that Don Vito stole heroin from the American gangster, and then he lied about it and said, "Oh yeah, no, it was this pimp who did it." And yeah, yeah. that's the entire thing. And then every single move that he made, like he doesn't know who's working for him. He doesn't know who, yeah. went, who went to pick someone up. He doesn't know anything. He's just uh, the worst boss that you could ever have. Yeah. There's like a moment there where he like t- is talking to Luca at the end after Luca's killed everyone and has him at gunpoint. He's like, I underestimated you, Luca Canali. And it's like the understatement of the movie. <laughs> It's like, not only did he under, he, he underestimated him so poorly, uh, and that miscalculation is the premise, literally. Yeah. <laughs> Although I will say I enjoyed the actor. Um, there's like some moments where they're like, why are these, where he's like, why are my guys so incompetent? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like, yeah, we had to hire him because uh, his mom was begging for us to give him a job. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like, it's like wow. Yeah, no. Uh, I mean, the mom, comedy don't was beg good for me to get a job from this guy. <laughs> I mean, the comedy there was pretty, pretty good. And like him just yelling, like, "If a mama needs to ask for it, then he's definitely he's, he's not worth it for anything." <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, everyone was dumb. Uh, like even in the scene where I mean, at the beginning when they first uh, grabbed Canali. Had they not punched him? Had yeah. they not like beat him up? The rest of the mobsters would have would have gotten there, and they would have killed him, like they yeah. planned to. Yeah. And yeah, I mean, he also like should have known that Luca. I mean, like Luca used to work for him. He had to have known that he was a pretty good fighter. Yeah. I mean, like the first scene of the film, we see Luca just like beating up uh, a couple of randos, which also has some great open-handed slaps, which I really enjoyed, mm-hmm. too. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, uh, that, that's my opinion of Don Vito. Like, not a very good, well-designed character, but I enjoyed the uh, actor that played him. Yeah, me too. Yeah, just in kind of a fun, comedic sense. He was very... Uh, he, he was also very energetic, especially for a mob boss, because usually mob bosses are like calm, stoic, and yeah. this guy was just like all over the place. Yeah, very, um, very Italian too. Just like going for it. A lot of Italian stereotypes wrapped up there. Uh, so I think that's it for me. If there's anything else you want to point out, no. Nope. Yeah. Uh, would you recommend this movie? Uh, yeah, but with an asterisk. Uh, I mean, the movie definitely has scenes that are uh, very problematic. Uh, so, you know, be aware of that. Um, did you watch this with your partner? 
Yes. Did she not care for it? Correct. Okay. Yeah. Do you uh, think she would have liked Caliber 9 more? Yes, 100%. Oh, interesting. Okay. Well, because, I mean, this one... So one of the things that uh, is problematic about this movie is, in my opinion, is that, uh, that you know, you have prostitution being a big part of the... Big part of the background in this movie, and they portray like uh, the prostitutes and 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 the whole business uh, as product. So like I mean, these women like none of them are. They, there's very little dignity portrayed in the movie for them, as opposed to other movies where you know there there are more people here. They literally seem like meat, or they seem like uh, uh, if they had talking roles, they seem. Uh, as bad people, so it was. It has a little bit of dehumanizing uh, element to the working women. Uh, that is problematic. To I say think the least. that argument would apply for a lot of these Italian films, which I do agree have some problematic attitudes towards women. I don't know if I totally buy it for this film, just because the film is pretty limited in scope, and it's just not that much about prostitution, other than the fact that the guy is a pimp. Well, uh, no, we I mean, don't you, see you have a, a whole scene where, so you have a scene where he, he's sleeping uh, he, or he's staying with a prostitute, right? And in, in that scene, um, again, yeah, you don't see much of the sex or anything, but in that scene, they, they're having an argument. She's basically calling, uh, you know, all women that have sex with people, whether it's free or not, whores. And then he, he's like, you know, you're the whore, she's not, etc. And then it goes into... It's just like the the woman he's sleeping with, the, the, the actual prostitute, she's just like very materialistic. And and the few scenes that they actually have them show, the, show you know, prostitutes, they're all like very materialistic. They all just uh, want money. And, you know, I mean... It, okay, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I hear you on that scene. I interpret this as just like, these are like not good people. True, yeah, no, for sure. But, yeah. I, and I, but I mean, and this is, by the way, the same woman who later gets tortured, right? Uh, yeah, that, that, that to me is harder to watch. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. But uh, I don't know. I mean, if, if I were to compare this with Caliber 9, sure, Caliber 9 has a little, you know, they, they also reference to that type of uh, business, if you will, but uh, it, not nearly as much, uh, as much, and it's not like, important at all i mean there you have more of your classic femme fatale and, yeah but i mean well, you don't have like the, you know you do see that woman getting tortured at the beginning i think in which one uh caliber, caliber nine? nine like before she gets blown up with everyone else oh yeah you should you see you do see another woman gets uh, uh tortured but i mean in, in caliber nine it begins with three people getting tortured and then right, blown right. up by tnt equally as right. for in this one uh and i mean on all three of them being unarmed as for this one you have the the recipients of most of the violence and the harshest violence uh i mean in the other sense it's justified because they're both beating each other up and it's like equal footing but then like it just seems gratuitous. It seems more gratuitous here than in Caliber 9. All right, sure. So so that's the asterisk I put on this movie, if you will. Okay. Do you think that's what prevented you from enjoying it more? No, uh, no. I think it's also like, as I mentioned before, I think the plot on the other movie was something that kept me, I mean, yeah, that, something that kept me more hooked. Actually, yes. Now that now that I think about it, yes, uh, it probably it, it made it less enjoyable having that gratuity. But also, I mean, the main reason why I like Caliber Nine more was uh, that the plot kept me more interested on the characters here. Uh, though the acting was really good for Canali, I had less of an interest to see what what was going to happen. Okay, gotcha, gotcha. Mm-hmm. Uh, what about you, oh, James? I definitely recommend this film um, if you're interested in uh, Italian crime films of the 1970s, which I, I, in my opinion, are quite undercovered. I think watch Caliber 9 first, watch this second. I think they're mm-hmm. good compliments. Very different films from one another. 
Uh, this to me is just more action oriented. Um, and for me, it's just really easy viewing, uh, minus maybe a couple of the scenes that you highlighted uh, before, which you're right. I, I think I've probably tuned out my, uh, removed my filter a little bit and just tried to enjoy these films sometimes. So I think mm. you're right that some people will uh, definitely be bothered uh, by certain aspects of this. But for me, uh, as just sort of a fun manhunt chase or what, what did you call it? Hard to kill. A hard to kill movie. It's just like a lot of fun. And I I really um, enjoy this. So watch this. Uh, We're not going to talk about the boss on this one. uh, But watch that if you enjoyed these two as well. Um, Mm -hmm. That film opens with uh, Henry Silva, who plays David, uh, blowing up like 20 mobsters with a rocket launcher who are about to watch a porno film. So if that doesn't uh, (laughs) hit your interest then uh, you probably shouldn't be listening to any of the films I'm recommending for a while. Uh, but, <laughs> but uh, yeah, and you can definitely check this film out on uh, Canopy, which is a streaming service that a lot of the libraries provide. Mm-hmm. Um, so definitely recommend uh, people um, check it out uh, that way and don't give money to uh, Bezos. Correct. Although, again, Mr. Bezos, if uh, you want to... Uh sponsor us or support us uh you know we'll stop talking crap about you yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah all right uh so for next movie we actually have an idea what we're going to be watching so might as well say it now uh we will be going back to the united states and then to sweden for midsummer uh, you know, it's a great uh, summer movie. It's about summer solstice. It's a be- very beautiful festival. So, uh, wow. you know. Actually, we're almost hitting it exactly right on. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm excited to talk about this movie. Uh, yeah. Sounds great. Uh, we will talk about that in two weeks. All right. Thank you, Inyaki, for watching this Th- film. Thank uh, you, James. Thanks your partner for putting up with this film (laughs) and we'll uh we'll see y'all next time all right